Hey, and welcome to the Hot Air Podcast from Watchful. I'm Victor Over. I'm here with my colleague, Steve, as always. And on today's pod, we're talking with Andrew Palmer. Andrew manages 300 plus sites at his digital agency in the United Kingdom and describes himself as an accidental entrepreneur. After you've listened to this episode, you'll understand why. Steve, do you want to share the highlights from Andrew's interview? Hey, Vic. Well, the highlights are probably far too many to cover. Andrew may be an accidental entrepreneur, but he is a fascinating and successful one. He has interests in restaurants, SaaS services, marketplaces, a development company that he has grown in India, and much more besides. He has strong opinions and creative ideas, and every time I talk with him, he's always on to something new. Yeah, he's an engaging uh, character for sure. I love love chatting with Andrew, just a super nice fella. Uh, but let's not, uh, don't take my word for it. Let's get after it. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the Watchful Podcast. Thanks, Steve. Uh, it's a real pleasure to meet you on this podcast after we've met on my podcast, which was great. Oh, yeah, podcast swap. <laughs> so, Andrew, I've I've seen you around and talked with you in a whole bunch of different situations and with you wearing different hats. You're an agency owner. You have deep roots in the kind of the page builder, the Divi elemental side of WordPress. I know you do a lot of print work as well. How do you introduce yourself when you're at a party and you someone asks you, what do you do? What do you say you do? Uh, it's simple. I just say, hi, I'm Andrew Palmer, and I run a digital marketing agency that also does some print, and I've got some assets on the web that are SaaS, and I supply themes and plugins from various vendors around the world. That's it. That was pretty good. Yeah. So where do you spend most of your time at the moment? We're in May 2020. What's keeping you busy right now? Everything. I mean, I've, I look after <laughs> a lot of my clients are restaurants because I used to be a chef, believe it or not, and had a couple of restaurants, well, three restaurants myself. And I kind of just connected with these people. And because I've got digital marketing skills and also print skills and also cuisine skills, if you like, and I understand catering and hospitality, these guys just seem to seem to just appear you know from playing golf with people and saying what do you do and whatever and i just picked up over the last 20 years i've picked up uh half a dozen restaurants that i look after along with other businesses as well but mainly i've been concentrating during covid with restaurants transferring the ones that weren't used to delivery or uber eats or just eat that we've got these delivery facilitators, basically. They, they hadn't signed up to them. So we basically got them signed up as quickly as possible, developed menus with them as well. So really dive, really dive deep into it. And the benefit is that I've also got an interest in a pizza restaurant in my local town. So, you know, I've been helping them with that. Andrew, you've, uh, you know, we're here in, in the US where Steve and I are. Our restrictions are slowly starting to change. What's the... What's happening with COVID right there? Are, are restaurants starting to seat people or is it still all curbside and delivery? Oh, no, it's curbside and delivery. We won't. We just got an announcement on Sunday, a very mixed message from our Prime Minister Boris, where he said, if you can go to work, go to work, but don't use public transport, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go too deep into that. He was, he was only online for 17 minutes or something. And then it all got cleared up. And I was sitting there on the sofa, just a bit disappointed that he didn't open up the golf courses. And then, of course, the next day, everything had been sorted and they'd done the announcement. So we can now play golf as long as it's only a two ball. 
And uh, it's a natural self-distancing activity anyway. You know, we're always seeing it left or right, never down the middle. Um, right. So we're always at least 20 <laughs> meters away from each other, you know, except. So, so I'm glad of the that. The worse you are at golf, the more social distancing is involved. Exactly. And, you know, two months not swinging a club with in anger, then I think uh, it, the first tee is going to be interesting. And we're there was a rumor that we weren't even allowed on the driving range, but they've now said we can have 15 minutes max on the driving range because of the fact that none of us have played golf for two months, basically. So got my first round on Sunday, but no restaurants are opening. I noticed in Holland, they're kind of building almost greenhouses that people can sit in, but not yet. It's curbside and, and the piece of place that I've got an interest in, we're, we're doing very well, actually. So Andrew, your agency side business or your the agency side of your business sounds like it's doing pretty well helping these businesses adapt to, you know, the new reality, I guess. Uh, would you say that's oh, accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. I mean, just before COVID, February uh, the 14th, actually, Valentine's Day, we transferred a guy who was selling paint and an average turnover of, let's say, 20 grand a month. We transferred him from Magento to Shopify, actually. And luckily we did because Shopify is very, very robust. You don't have to worry about any containers or, you know, VP, VPS is going down or anything like that. But his turnover for that for March was like 150 grand wow. because people were buying paint because they had nothing else to do, you know, and that's, that's continued. It slowed down slightly, but we're not seeing any real downturn on that. And that's just one, one business. But uh, as I say, our pizza business went mad and we got an Italian restaurant in Wimbledon and a, a Mediterranean restaurant in St. John's Wood that have done particularly well because they weren't used to this curbside or, or delivery. They were, you know, 200-seater and 100-seater or 100-covered restaurants. And actually, I've just amended the menu today again for both of them, and we've, we've adapted, and they're, they're doing really well, actually. So you have restaurant businesses that perhaps thanks to your agency and the tech skills that you and your team have, you have businesses that have made almost a 180 degree turn during this period. They've gone from say Magento to Shopify in a flash. They've gone from in-house dining to takeout dining. Is that what I'm hearing? That these businesses thanks to you and your team have been making very, very quick changes. Yes. I, you know, I don't often try and stay a little bit modest but I mean one guy phoned me up and he said and the, the, the paint guy said after this is over I'm you're I'm treating you to a week in Barbados we're playing golf so I think <laughs> I think he's quite pleased the restaurants I spoke with this morning you know I speak with them every day and see how they're going and, and, and do stuff and uh, they're very happy currently you know they, they've got some incentives you know the restaurants in London are very big so they're saving a massive amount on rates because they're not not having to pay their business rates for a year and they have only furloughed a third of their staff because they still need full kitchen brigades to cope with the demands of the takeaway. And, 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 you know, they're really pleased. But I've got other businesses that haven't particularly suffered. The hairdressers have, the, the florists have, and the pubs, obviously. But, you know, I transitioned my local pub. I went in there. I was going to have my birthday party next week or the week after. And they had to cancel and, and they had a very small kitchen. I designed a menu for them, only had 12 items on it so that they could do takeaway and sign them up to Uber Eats and they're trading as of now, which is great. Andrew, would you say that there's a silver lining from this COVID that, uh, that a lot of these traditional shops, paint suppliers, restaurants, 
are going to be able to continue to push more business online, whereas before maybe some or maybe even a majority of these businesses might have said, Andrew, we just need printed menus because who's going to buy food online? Don't be crazy. I mean, you think that's going to be an, a, a trend that continues after we kind of get back to something that more resembles pre-COVID activity? Well, I call it BC, before COVID. Before COVID, yeah. I had clients that, or friends really, you know, I've got, a, I've got a big, warm acquaintance area. You know, a lot of people know me and I know a lot of people and they all know I'm in the web now. And I've been trying to persuade various people from tool makers to, you know, people that make nails and screws and, and bolts and stuff to go online. And one guy rang me up and he said, you know what, I, I think it's about time. And we managed to build him a very, very quick WooCommerce website where his wholesale customers could purchase in cash or with credit card you know, all the kit that they needed to put stuff together because they were, they were suffering from a shortage of nails, for instance. And people that weren't online or didn't agree to be online or, or, or didn't want to be online because they felt it was too complex are now going online. We've picked up, I don't know, 15 new clients in the last two months, which is new clients. You know, that's, that's quite big, really. And they're all websites and they're all, all e-commerce websites. And some we've put on Shopify, and I also started a website with my niece who got uh, made redundant because of COVID. And so she's now working on the on the, the e-commerce fashion website. And she's got, we set it up about three weeks ago, started marketing it last week. And we're selling product, which is great. The other thing that will happen is that people will get used to online meetings. So a lot of things that I had to do was set up people and train them like how to use Zoom and Jitsi and Skype and all these kind of things so that they could basically go online. And another thing we've set up is onlinevenue.live, which is basically uh, it replaces the bricks and mortar exhibitions. And we set that up last week and we've just got our first order today. So, you know, it's a massive, it is a silver lining business-wise. Obviously, there's a very dark cloud over us from the from the amount of people that are suffering with this and unemployment and things like that. But there are opportunities out there to teach people to have a learning opportunity and you know, are using things like Lyft or LMS or LearnDash or any one of them. You know, there's a guy out there, he's teaching people how to do balloon shapes. And he's got a he developed a quarter of a million dollar business in, in a heartbeat. You know, it's crazy. You have to give me the, uh, the link for that later and I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I will do. No, I will do, definitely. Yeah, I'll get, I have to get it from Chris Badgett, who's, who owns Lifter LMS. He, he did a tweet on it and I had a look at it. So I'll, I'll look back in my Twitter feed. But that's nothing to do with me. But, you know, the, the opportunities out there are massive for learning, for teaching. I've got people, because of online venue, that we, we literally launched last Thursday. We've had a dozen meetings with people saying we want to do an online exhibition we want can we use this as a learning opportunity can we make it evergreen afterwards as well so the people are really starting to think that the internet can be a little bit of an answer to their current issues and i've got big companies massive billion dollar companies talking to me that are saying we're not going back to work until september 2021 so yeah Andrew, we're hearing the same thing over here. But what I really strikes me about the things you've said in the last couple of minutes here is that these opportunities, they're not predatory because people are desperate for, you know, some medicine or some some consumable that they can't get anymore. You know, these are actually, you know, 
solving helpful problems that people have. It's not relying on their, you know, it's not scaring them into purchasing. I, I mean, we can talk about, I mean, there is a dark cloud, of course, with all the suffering that's going on, but people still need help. They need training. They need to get better at, you know, being online. And I think you've really providing a, a great service to your clients and colleagues here. Thanks. And, and I think we are too, you know, and they do too. And with, and then that, you know, the nice thing about it is that we're not, we're not price gouging or anything. We're just going out on our normal rates. And if we can't do it, we're pointing people in the right direction. But as you know, I've got developers in India in two locations in India, and I can outsource pretty much everything that I'm doing. So all I'm, all I am is the facilitator, the project manager and make sure that things get done. So I was going to ask that, Andrew, how did you ramp up the capacity over the last couple of months as all that extra demand came in? Well, I kind of didn't need to because in January I set up uh, web-based techs with Mahesh Pandey, who's my who's been my main developer on ElegantMarketplace.com for the last five years, and I wanted to make sure that he, you know, because we sold that to InMotion in December 2019, and uh, we're still here. We're still here as Elegant Marketplace as well, but I wanted to make sure that he had a legacy. He had something, you know, just in case you know, we stopped working with Elegant Marketplace or whatever. And also, he, he's been a main developer for Somebody's Hero as well, my, my UK agency. But I wanted to make sure that he had something. So we set up a company in, in India with him and two employees. We've currently got two employees. We're still searching for another three nice offices in Calcutta. And then, of course, we're hit by COVID. So everybody's now remote, which is fine because we bought laptops and, and we're all good. And we've got our own VPN as well. So it's no big deal. But I've had a, a team of developers behind me for probably approaching 12 or 15 years. I can't really remember, but they're part of my DNA. You know, I use them daily. They look after all my Shopify sites. They look after out of the 100 sites that we maintain. They look after 50 of them. And they also do development on the fly. We've, they've just done a conversion from Joomla to WooCommerce of a massive learning site. And it's got to be connected to a, a .NET server as well through the membership. And it's very big, it's quite big corporate uh, website. So we didn't necessarily have to ramp up. What we had to do was, was we're used to working remotely, all of us in this kind of business. The guys in Frizrakistan uh, are used to working remotely with me, but they work from an office. So they've all had to go home and work. And also Mahesh and his team, they're all working at home. So that kind of got a little bit of you you know getting used to as well so we had a couple of days and we are we're slightly delayed on one project but the client is so good about it it's crazy because they've been delayed as well because they had to move out of offices and move home so they understand the issues but the ramping up really came I suppose it's, it's ramping up the attitude because I play golf Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, but because I don't have, I can't play golf or I couldn't play golf. I was obviously around seven days a week. So a lot of it is mentoring and counseling and coaching and guidance. So there's no real development work. There's still chargeable work because I charge for the coaching side of it. But on the development side, we probably had to ramp up, maybe, you know, add another four hours to our day, I suppose, over the last couple of months, which is, which is okay. So we're working at full pelt now rather than having any flexibility. Andrew, I want to back uh, up just a little. So I think a lot of our listeners are probably running domestic agencies in whichever country they might be in. And you know they're thinking about expanding 
and thinking about doing some outsourcing. Can you maybe take a little time machine back to when I, I know you had a, originally a print career, moved into digital, and then at some point decided to outsource your development work. How did that decision process work? And not only decision making, but how did you actually kind of get your foot into uh, a foreign outsourcing uh, development network that you could then start adding people and, and feel confident in you know, trusting the people with your client, you know, assets, and then also, you know, relying on them to do the work. Yeah, that's a tough one for me because I was very lucky. I had, a, you know, I've got to develop a very good friend of mine, Sean Barton, who we developed Page Builder Cloud and Layouts Cloud with, and he was actually using a guy in India called Srinivas, and uh, I was just getting loads of work in, and I couldn't cope with it. And I've never been a very good web designer. I've been an okay developer, but not a brilliant designer. So I needed some design help. So Sean pointed me to Srinivas, and we built up a relationship over time. It wasn't easy because developers in India are very, very talented, very, very willing to do anything that you tell them to do. And it's, it's very telling that I say that because they're so good at what they do but you have to tell them what you need. So you have to make the brief watertight. And I found that very difficult because a client wouldn't necessarily you know, give you a kind of a vague brief, a back of a cigarette packet brief. So I had to translate that into something that I could let someone work with remotely on that so at their own pace. So we had a few difficulties for the first probably six months where they, where they weren't actually understanding what I wanted or what the uh, brief was, it was my fault. I wasn't giving a tight enough brief. So once I sorted myself out and got a good tight brief together, the guys would produce the work and I wouldn't actually let them have access to anything. I had to do everything either locally or on my own server, which was a development server. And then I would then migrate that to a website or an app or a function. You know, they used to build me apps you know even in the early days telephone apps and things like that mobile phone apps and they still do so it's about any employee that you have and this is what people don't get sometimes it doesn't matter whether the employee is remote or they're sitting next to you there is a learning curve so you've got to start having empathy with people understanding where they're coming from understanding their capabilities and because if a person's sitting next to you you've got them right there for the conversation and sometimes when you're trying to talk to someone remotely they might it might take 15 minutes or even two hours for them to get back to you before you can have a conversation of any kind whether it's on chat or skype you've just got to understand that whoever you're dealing with is a human being and they may have three or four projects on the on the go as well as you so you've got to understand you've got to be empathetic with them and say when can we have this do you understand the brief what don't you understand and also have that communication about I don't quite understand that how do I do this or, or what it, what do you want and once you've got that it's incredible how much they become part of you and they get to understand what you want your wants and desires and your clients wants and desires and also the processes that you get into so you develop a process over time and that's what a lot of people don't have is if you don't have a process you're going to become a you know come a cropper so it's all about process, it's all about the brief, and also allowing yourself enough time to get that project done. So if, you're, if you over-promise, you, you definitely will under-deliver. So we, we, I tended to, in the early days, you know, a, project, a website project was six, eight, six to eight weeks. So 
it sounds as if your approach to offshoring is based on building some really pretty long and deep relationships with the the people and companies out there. I mean, how long have you been working with your main partner out there now? Well, Srinivas has been my main partner for 12 years, maybe okay. just a bit bit over 12 years. And we met, we've met up in the physical uh, a couple of times. He's come over to London a couple of times and we just can't get enough of each other, you know, just always chatting about stuff and developing new ideas and how we can improve. And then I thought, well, you know, we'll, I've got to have my own business over there because I'm we're a bit crunched because although we're a small agency and it's owned by one guy we still have you know the 300 clients that we host we got you know 100 people that we maintain we're picking up you know as I say 15 new clients in the last six weeks there's got to be some kind of that work's got to go somewhere so as I say if you if we're following the process and it's it's all getting done so that's good yeah the people that I've known that have done offshoring the most successfully are those that have really built some incredibly long-lasting relationships. I know one or two people that have actually got married out there. They've been out to somewhere like Vietnam initially to just to build a business relationship and ended up finding a wife or deciding to live there. So it's taken you 12 years to get to this point where you have an Indian partner that can run a big portion of your of your business for you. So the quality is there. Are you finding there are any significant cost savings over hiring a similar team in Europe? Massive. Okay. Um, unless you went to Romania or Ukraine, which I missed out on, or Estonia. The new Eastern Europe or the old Eastern European countries are very competitive. But I'm also finding with India that there's a lot of guys, you know, especially with the, this resurgence or the, the emergence of the Facebook groups for WordPress and things like that, they're starting to charge kind of UK-based prices, and and that's okay, but it's not really right because the stat, the cost of living in India is so much less than in the UK and America. And the, and the reason that we're outsourcing is so that we can remain competitive. And that's, that's the problem. So it's becoming more of a global economy. And there's no, there's no harm in them charging that amount of money, but I just won't use them. It's that simple. You know, I'd rather have full-time employees on a decent wage in an air-conditioned office. They know exactly where they stand. They've got longevity of employment. They've got, you know, guaranteed loads of work coming in and they're happy. They do their nine to five or their 10 to eight or whatever they do because they work on shifts because we work with companies in America, Australia, Italy, and the UK. Yes, it's taken me 12 years to get to this point, but really with Srinivas and his team, it probably took about 18 months to get to a, the comfortable position of allowing them access to my clients' websites. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a long time, but actually it takes five years to set up a business properly, I think. Hi, in terms of finding the right partners, in terms of finding the right idea, in terms of getting the ball rolling, in terms of building a customer base, all of those things take at least five years? I think so, because you've got to, you know, a lot of people when they start up in business, they, it's a desire. And really, you've got to take the emotion out of when you're starting a business. You've got to really figure out that you've got to get yourself a proper accountant. You've got to get yourself some proper legal advice. The amount of times that I see people asking in, in a Facebook group or on Twitter, I've got, you know, anybody point me in the right direction of a contract. Do you know what? Go and see a lawyer. Spend some money. Invest in your business before you're asking other people to invest in your business. Because if you haven't got it right from the get-go, you're going to get into trouble. And I, I hear so many people, and I advise people. You know, I had a 
person who I coach connect with me the other day and said, look, I, I didn't give this guy a contract. And I went, well, you know, what can I tell you? <laughs> I've been telling you to do contracts for the last 18 months, but um, sometimes speed to market is, is a bit, uh, you can be a bit too keen to take the work on. So everybody should have a contract. Everybody should have a, a proper accountant, not just a bookkeeper, somebody who can give them tax advice, give them uh, business advice, keep cash flows going and, and stuff like that. Yeah, last week on the pod, we had uh, the exact conversation with uh, another uh, agency coach. And essentially, the I mean, that was the main takeaway. You probably know Nathan Ingram. That's who we interviewed last week. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've certainly heard of him. I don't know him, but yeah. Yeah. So he's got a, you know, based on essentially the experience you've you kind of described, you know, released, a, you know, essentially a SaaS service for agency contracts. And so, sure. you know. Take 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 it and keep it updated, but also have it reviewed by your lawyer. Is super duper important. Oh, I know that. I can't. What's it called? It's, Monster I, contracts. Monster contracts. Yeah, that's it. I know that one definitely. I know Nathan yeah. from there. Yeah, for sure. Andrew, in addition to your agency work, I mean, you're you've got your finger in many pies. What are the, some of the other things you're doing? Well, I've got um, layoutscloud.com and pagebuildercloud.com for the moment because I've uh, I've sold them. So for the for the as of today, fifteenth of May, I've still got them. But first uh, of June, they the or my my share of them, fifty percent of them, goes to a lovely person called Melissa Love, who is very well known in the Divi theme users groups, if you like. Really good designer, so hot on the marketing and email marketing and funnels, and she's just great. And um, she was working with Sean Barton, who developed Layers Cloud and Page Builder Cloud for me. And uh, Sean had 50% of both. You know, they, that was just a deal that he and I came to about six months ago. And I decided that they developed a product called Sitepressor, which is basically a, a duplication cloning child theme maker, if you like. And it, it, you know, you build a website put it into Sitepressor, becomes a zip file, load it up to a, a bare WordPress, and it will install everything that you've exported, including plugins and you know free plugins and things like that. I just need to, uh, you know, I sold Elegant Marketplace in December. I've always thought, you know, sold a couple of restaurants, you know, built them up, sold them, whatever. And my, my idea of having a business is to build it, grow it, sell it, and that's what I've done. So I've sold Page Builder Cloud and Layouts Cloud, my share, to Melissa Love, and she'll be running that with Sean Barton. So I'm really I'm pleased for them, and I'm pleased for me, because it allows me to focus on what I really want to do, which is online venue.live and also my somebody's hero.co.uk. So you've been in this a good number of years now, and it sounds as if you've got to the point where you don't get too emotionally attached in a particular business. You start a business right, you get the contracts, you grow it, and then it has a natural lifespan where you sell it on again. It's not your baby, it's not your family, it's just a business. Maybe your team moves on to the next business with you, to the next project, but um, the businesses themselves, they're things to, to build and flip and um, move on to the next project. Well, they are, and it's not necessary for wealth creation. It's basically... I'm pretty good at starting businesses, right? But the reason I have an accountant, and they're quite expensive, and the reason I have other people around me is that 
I don't want to run the businesses because running a business is pretty boring. You know, it's just boring to me. <laughs> Sorry, but it is. It's exciting while you're building it and it's exciting getting it out there. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've been so excited with Page Builder Cloud. It was my idea and it was my baby and everything. But actually, when I saw Sitepressor and I saw that Sean and Melissa were working together on Sitepressor, it's just a marriage made in heaven. So I approached Melissa. I said, look, if you want to buy Page Builder Cloud and the Layouts Cloud, because I think it goes perfectly with, with uh, Sitepressor, get on with it. You know, make me an offer. She made me an offer. I accepted it. Simple as that. Same with Elegant Marketplace. You know, when I was first asked by uh, Web Ventures whether I'd want to sell it two and a half years ago, I said, no. And then I always had a target of selling it within five years of establishing it. And we made it by two months. So no, I don't get emotional. So maybe at the end of the podcast, we have an answer to the question I asked you right at the beginning. Mm. Would it be fair to say that you are a a startup guy, a business builder, that times like this when everything is in flux and lots of new ideas can get thrown out and lots of new ideas get born, that's when you're most excited at the initial stage when things are changing, when things are moving, when things are being born? Yes, I would say that I'm an accidental entrepreneur in the startup, in startups. And I haven't made millions out of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm no, I'm no Trello or Asana or Switch or Twitch or whatever it is. I'm no, I'm no guy like that. But I just like, what I like to do, Steve, is provide solutions. I've always been a solutions provider. And when I see an issue like the online venue and there's a solution and it's, it's I'm doing it with Vito Peleg, who's from WP Feedback. And when we saw this solution, we, it kind of worked for him I said, we've got to productize this. So it's a productized service. Page Builder Cloud, that was a solution. Layouts Cloud was a solution because at the time, Divi didn't have layouts, a layouts manager, which they've now got. But they certainly didn't have anything and still don't have anything where you can save anything to the cloud. So it's a production solution situation. Elegant Marketplace was a solution. And that was started by six of us. And, you know, I'm the last man standing. But... For my restaurant clients, you know, I've, there are solutions out there, Uber Eats and Deliveroo and all those people. So I'm just a facilitator. That's what I am, really. I just say, yes, now what's the question? It's as simple as that. I've always said that. Well, it sounds like a, a fascinating career you've had and you're continuing to have. I think we're going to have the longest show notes that we've ever had after this episode, <laughs> linking to all the stuff you've talked about, all the projects, all the businesses, all Brilliant. the things you're working on. Brilliant. Well, you guys are you guys are similar. You've got you've got your own businesses and you run them and you've sold some and you're probably going to buy some and you know. So it's a. I think it's the way the way of the world. I really do. I think it's the way of the world. If you get an opportunity, you grab hold of it with both hands, or you just walk away from it. It's, I think people like us are very lucky to be able to have the skill set to be on the internet. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, Andrew. I think you know you and I and Steve and our colleagues. You know, there's a there is a kind of network of people who are are constantly changing things up. I actually think most people don't like change so much. That's my experience. Uh, and so the people who, my, my colleagues and friends locally here, my neighbors, you know, Vic, how do you do this? How do you do that? I think the main difference is that some people are used, are comfortable with change and comfortable with uncertainty and, and, and many people are not. And if you're not, maybe this isn't for you, but I think we all know, you know, <laughs> Many of our colleagues are comfortable with with change and uncertainty, and that lets you 
be flexible and make make choices, gamble a little bit, try not to gamble too much, and uh, you know keep things interesting, which is which is what I like about this line of work is that things change. They're always changing. They're always interesting. There's always another interesting challenge and something else to learn. My what I, I think one of the things that I like the most about uh, the kind of work that we do is that you get to learn a lot because you're always jumping in and saying, "Let me let me try this and learn what it takes to make this successful." Which you know, it uh, makes for a short working day. That's what I feel like. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel learning. I learn every day. You know, I really learn. I learn to keep my mouth shut every day. That's for sure. <laughs> but. Uh, it's difficult being an opinionated person as well, which I am. And, um, you know, there's some things about the WordPress community that I love. And there's some things about the WordPress community that I, I think could be better. I think we could represent people a bit better and be a bit more tolerant of uh, different people within WordPress and certainly in society. So, I'm, you know, that's one of, pro- one of my private projects moving forward is to increase the tolerance levels of people to people within the WordPress community, because I'm, you know, I'm guilty of, you know, sometimes losing my temper on, on a Facebook group or something and making a, making a comment that may not be appropriate, but I've learned my lessons throughout the sort of six, seven years, but I mean, I've been involved in that sort of thing. And, and really when I see other developers saying to other developers that they're not as good as they should be, that's not the kind of attitude that I want to promote within the within the area. I think we should be able to bring people forward, and part of that is developing new products and bringing new people in to, to develop new products, which is exactly what my plans are for the future. Cool. So, Andrew, if people are following you over the next couple of months or so, where can they follow you on social media to to find out what you're you're on about and what's the one project you are most excited about over the next few months? They can get me at, at Arnie Palmer, believe it or not, A-R-N-I-E Palmer, because that's what my golf buddies call me. I'm nowhere. If I was half as good as him, I'd be pleasant. But that's my Twitter, and I kind of just uh, comment on there occasionally. Uh, Facebook, you can find me on the, the Page Builders, Page Builder and WordPress users group, just uh, on Facebook. And uh, you can find me at somebodyshero.co.uk for my agency and the thing I'm most excited about moving forward is online online venue.live, which is, as I say, we've got our first order today, and uh, that it's been up a week. So I'm really happy about that. And we'll, we'll, I've got half a dozen meetings about that next week, and I've had a dozen meetings already, and it looks as though 30 40% of the people are going to go for it. So I'm really excited about that. I should have known the answer because that project is right in your sweet spot, just as it's starting. Yeah just in the early days when everything is up and running for the first time and things are changing and moving quickly. Well, all the best with it, Andrew. I hope that um, that new project is a great success. Thanks, Steve. I'm sure it, it, it either will be or it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> it's launching at the right time. Perfect. Congrats, Andrew, and thanks for joining us on the pod today. Thanks, Vic. A, a total pleasure to talk to you guys, as always, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk in the next week or so anyway. Brilliant. Brilliant.